All right, we are live here with a Schloss rant. The weekend is upcoming right before the Super Bowl, Thursday night. We've got so much to cover here. It's been a minute since we jumped on here and did this podcast. We've got, of course, the Super Bowl this weekend. We got the NBA trade deadline and all the craziness. So we got a lot to get into. Let's start off with the Super Bowl props. Okay, everyone likes the Super Bowl props. We'll get into those first. All right. Some stuff that I've seen that I'm having some trouble finding the odds, either on the more popular spots like FanDuel and DraftKings. Kansas City to call the first timeout. That's just a random one that I like. They've called the first timeout in 15 of their last 19 games, where the Eagles have only called their last time or the first time out in five out of their last 19 games. So if you can find that somewhere, maybe I'm not searching the right ways, bet Kansas city for the first time out biggest lead under 14 and a half. Most of these super bowl games are pretty close with the exception of that horrendous Seattle and Denver one. And I guess you could also say the new England and Atlanta one, because there was obviously a 28 to three lead there. Most of the teams are not going up by more than two touchdowns. So if you can get that biggest lead under 14 and a half, and I, I heard this somewhere, but I don't know necessarily if I'm able to find it myself, I'd play that too. And then I also wrote down, don't play the stupid coin toss. Until I logged into DraftKings and saw they were giving it at even odds, don't pay the big for the coin toss. If you're seeing it at minus 105, do not bet on that. DraftKings right now, this is not an ad for them. DraftKings has this at even money at plus 100. So if you want it, if you must, if you can't handle not betting on the coin toss, go to DraftKings, shop around, get the right price. They're sitting there at even money, no VIG. Don't have to pay any juice, whatever expression you want to say. All right, a little bit more of a long shot. I like Kelsey plus 700 to get the first touchdown. That's Mahomes' guy, been his guy all year. I like him to get the first touchdown of the game. A couple other Travis Kelsey bets that I have on the docket. Kelsey at minus 145, 25 receiving yards in each half. I also like in a parlay, Pacheco over one and a half receptions combined with Kelsey, alternate receiving yards, 40 plus yards. You play those together, you're sitting there at a minus 142 parlay. Kelsey, again, like I said, 25 plus receiving yards in each half. That's at minus 145 in a straight bet there. Another one, this has been boosted over on DraftKings. The last one was via FanDuel. Miles Sanders and Isaiah Pacheco, 10-plus rushing yards in the first quarter. That's right now been, it's been boosted up to plus 150. So I like that as well. Definitely like that, that as well. You got to figure each guy should tote the rock. Assuming there are some drive, you know, a couple different drives within the quarter, I'd like to think each guy is going to be able to get you 10 yards, even if it's three carries, 10 yards each. That's a bet that you're going to win. And I, I think about some of these lower bets, some of these more basic things, like I, I mentioned, the Pacheco over one and a half receptions. Last, the last games, the only thing that I had in play was Samaji P. Ryan. I didn't bet straight up on the game, didn't bet any sides, any totals. I bet one prop for the entire weekend. I didn't do anything with the Eagle game. One prop, Samaji P. Ryan, over two and a half receptions. He had three catches for four yards and a cast. So I like some of these more sometimes simple props 
where there's not a lot that needs to happen, and you got a good shot at winning. I mean, three catches for four yards is not exactly what we'd call an exceptional performance, but if all he has to have is over two and a half catches, that that works. Um, a couple more props that I like. And this one I'm going to kind of just take a shot at. It's not something that, you know, I would definitively like to lay. Is the last touchdown of the game being a Chiefs defensive touchdown, which is going off at 35 to 1, I think plus 3,500. So I like that just because, you know, sometimes you get those crazy plays at the end of the game. Let's say it's close game. The Eagles have the ball. They're trying to make something happen. They try the crazy hook and ladder type plays. You figure, why not? Go take a shot at it. Maybe Kansas City picks it up, runs it in, and that's the last, you know, score of the game. So I don't necessarily hate that. If you're just going to throw something, you know, you want something crazy to hit. If you look at it, something else crazy to hit, I also saw it 70 to 1 is Dallas Goddard, or sorry, Travis Kelsey to get the first touchdown, followed by Dallas Goddard to get the second touchdown. And if you're really thinking crazy, why not? So that's definitely something you can consider playing. Now, as far as the game, I think it's sitting right now, Thursday night before the Super Bowl. Yeah, we got it at the Chiefs plus one and a half. That money line is plus plus 105. I'm thinking the Chiefs are going to win this game. And it's not just because I'm a Giant fan. It's not because I'm an Eagle hater. I think that the Eagles just haven't faced any particular high-level talent at quarterback for the most part all year. And when they have, guys like Aaron Rodgers, Jared Goff, even in the beginning of the year, not that he's amazing, but he's a solid starter. They got over 30 points on the board. Even Davis Mills of the Texans, I mean, he was able to keep them in the game. And the road that the Eagles had I mean, to this Super Bowl, bye week, Followed by, I got to throw my boy Daniel Jones under the bus. Daniel Jones, you know, in a spot where he just was never going to be able to win. And then followed by career journeyman Josh Johnson after Purdy gets hit early, hit and gets knocked out early in the game. I don't know who the Eagles have played. They've played quarterbacks that aren't really much. And this is Patrick Mahomes they're going against. This is the best quarterback right now in the game. I know it's. People talk about Allen. I know people talk about Burrow, but Mahomes is the guy. Five years in the league, been at least to the AFC Championship every season, one Super Bowl, another Super Bowl loss, MVPs. He's the guy. I know people got real into Burrow before that AFC title game, but Mahomes is the guy. And the Eagles, yes, they're talented. And I, you've been listening to sports talk all week all over the place. The Eagles are more talented everywhere else but Mahomes. But I think that that's enough to win. I think Mahomes is motivated after getting embarrassed a couple of years ago against Tampa Bay. I think the luck finally runs out for the Eagles. I, I, I just I can't see them dominating Mahomes. He's had a couple of weeks to maybe get a little bit better, and I thought he played fine against Cincinnati. Definitely good enough to win, and he did have that one run late at the game in him. So I like the Chiefs. You can, you know, I don't need that one and a half points. I'll pay, I'll play it on the money line plus one or uh, plus one hundred five on that money line. I don't need the one and a half points. 
that doesn't really do you very good unless the Eagles happen to win by only one point. And since there obviously cannot be a tie, to me it's just you're only betting on one possibility there if you take the one and a half points. So there's just there's no value in that. Just play the money line, play the Chiefs to win the game. And I, I like it. I think that they've got, because of Mahomes, I think they got the best shot to win the game. I know the Eagles' defensive line is dominant. You hear people as a long shot saying they're going to take Hassan Reddick to win the MVP of the game. But I think give me the Chiefs to win the game. I think that Mahomes wills them to victory, even though the Eagles have one heck of an absolutely talented team. And how about this spot for me? So every year we do this, me and three other guys, we do this little NFL playoff pool. And the way that it works is you draft a team, you get put in random order, and you get to draft the teams that you think are going to go the furthest. And the first round is one point. And if you have the Eagles or the Chiefs this year who are the number one seed, they get a point automatically. Second round is two points, conference championships, three points, and then the Super Bowl is four points. So I'm in a spot where I had the fourth pick in this, and it was a wraparound, and I had to take the Eagles. I hated it, but they're in this spot. And now, of course, I had the Eagles, I had the Chargers who did nothing, and I had the 49ers. So last week I had no AFC team on into the next round. Everything's going to come down to the Super Bowl. I'm in the next round. As a giant guy, as an Eagle hater, even living right here nine miles from the stadium, I cannot root for the Philadelphia Eagles. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to place money line on the Chiefs. This is not just why I'm rooting for the Chiefs, but I place money line on the Chiefs. This way I can root for the Chiefs, and even if I lose the pool, I still come out ahead, but I'll do it where essentially I, because there's only four people in it, I was getting the Eagles at 3-1 to one to win it. You kind of factor it down. So plus 300 to win it, essentially 3-1. to one. So I'm going to have to do it a little more than I would normally like to play on the Chiefs, but it works out so that I come out even if the Eagles do end up winning, which is not going to be good, but I won't be out any money. And if the Chiefs win, which of course is the desired result, then I come out looking pretty nice. It's not going to pay out at three to one on what the entry fee would have paid, but it's going to pay out at double what the entry fee would have been. So I work out okay here either way. Now, a couple other topics besides, you know, all the, the wagering and, and my particular situation being a giant fan here in Philadelphia. And by the way, the game is in Arizona, my old stomping ground, somewhere I spent nearly 15 years. So I think Phoenix is a good Super Bowl host city. I think, it you know, it's a big enough spread out place where people get into the game. You know the Super Bowl is there. Phoenix, uh, the Waste Management Open is also there this weekend. It's, it's just a big one, one big party from West Valley, East Valley, Central Valley there in Phoenix. And I think it's a, it's a great spot for the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl, to me, by the way, and we're kind of going all over the place, Super Bowl should be really only in Phoenix. You can do it in Miami. I don't love it there. I I don't love it there just because where the stadium is. And I know you can say the same thing about Phoenix, where the stadium's on the West Valley. Miami, that stadium's almost in Broward County. It's in North Miami, right up against, you know, Fort Lauderdale. And... I think now with the Rams' new stadium, definitely put it there. It looked pretty good last year. I think the Raiders, I'm not sure if they're getting the Super Bowl, but I'm sure they are because of their new stadium. You could put it there. I mean, people say New Orleans, but I don't know. That's just never somewhere that's intrigued me to go. I'm sure it's a fun, awesome place. 
but I would really just keep it to where it's between Phoenix, Las Vegas, and I guess Miami. That's where I would pretty much put it. I wouldn't care about Tampa. I wouldn't care about New Orleans. I think that those are definitely the three best spots just from, you know, spending an extensive amount of time in and around those places where I'd put the Super Bowl. So, anyways, a couple other topics besides the whole scenario there. I am a big sports talk radio fan. You know, I listen to all these guys, Mad Dog Russo, uh, Boomer and Geo in the morning in, in New York on WFAM. I listen to Carton and Roberts in the afternoon on WFAM. I listen to, you know, some snippets, uh, little YouTube clips of Colin Coward. I'm a big fan of him. Um, you know, back in the day, I loved Mike and the Mad Dog, obviously. I mentioned Mad Dog. But, you know, Radio Row is going on right now. It's been going on all week at the Phoenix Convention Center. And those are just – it's just some of the worst sports talk radio because you've got guys that have zero connection to all these players that are there and they're just pushing all these products, and it's just, it's horrible radio. It's like three minutes into the interview today, Dog and Adam Venateri, they're talking about DiGiorno pizza. How DiGiorno's doing this, and if the, the, the kick hits the crossbar, the upright, you're going to get free pizza if you sign up by going to this website. And it's like, that's horrible radio. Who wants to hear it? Now, I listened. Because it's Mad Dog Russo, and I'm a you know big a fan of him almost as I am of any sports team. But Radio Row is just horrible. The radio that that's produced out of that, and you know the the morning show that I usually listen to on Mad Dog's channel on 82 on Sirius XM, the Morning Men with uh, Evan Cohen and Mike Babchek and Willie Colon, the former Steeler and Jet offensive tackle. They're not at Radio Row, and I found that their show this week, I bring them up on them because I found that their show this week has been consistently better than any of the other shows that I listen to. Like I said, with the Boomer and Geo on FAN or Cardin and Roberts on FAN, and I even have to knock my guy, Mad Dog Russo. I can't listen to you breaking down DiGiorno Pizza with Adam Venetari. I can't listen to you and Ron Jaworski talking about, you know, Mueller Athletic Products. The sick thing is I actually listened to a little bit of it and then I changed it, put on, you know, some type of podcast or music instead while driving home or while running errands while in the gym because it's just, it's not good radio. I'm not interested in basically listening to more ads. So good job on Channel 82 Sirius XM to not send the morning men there because their show this week has been consistently much better. So I thought that that's a topic that I definitely had to go into. Other Super Bowl storylines. I mean, the Kelsey brothers, that's been covered at nauseum. But Jalen Hurts and Hassan Reddick, these are two players, of course, on the Eagles, who are going to be the key to the game. And with those two guys, they are everything that I love in sports. Jalen Hurts was put down, taken out of the game in that national championship game against Georgia in the 2017 season. He had to transfer to Oklahoma. People didn't think he'd be a good star NFL quarterback. He's in the MVP conversation now. I remember when NIL first came out, and they are like, oh, this would be perfect if Jalen Hurts was still around in college because he could make some money because he's not going to have a good NFL career. I don't even remember who said that, but whoever said that, and it wasn't me, 
whoever said that, I mean, they must feel pretty dumb right now because he's a guy who battled through adversity, worked hard, got his team in the position to win a Super Bowl on Sunday. And it, it's it's remarkable that a lot of guys would pout, a lot of guys would be down when they're handed the cards that he was handed, but he'd done nothing but continue to work, 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 and then work some more to improve himself as a passer to go along with his elite ability to run. The other guy that I like that I want to mention, he's a good story, Hassan Reddick. This is the guy that was with the Cardinals playing inside linebacker. The reason I bring him up is because coaching matters so much in the NFL. Eagles get a hold of him. They said, no, you're going to be a pass rusher. And this guy had an absolutely dominant year. I think he had 16 and a half sacks. Here's a guy who walked on at Temple, I believe. Kept working, kept working, got drafted. Didn't work out with his first team, the Cardinals. Goes to Carolina. I don't think it really worked out there. And just had his chance this year to be a star. And he got 16 and a half sacks. So those are the two guys that I really wanted to highlight. Two great stories about never give up, keep working. Coaches, find spots for your players to be. Don't say that you have a system and the players got to fit into it. How about you make it so that the players can be successful? And that's what the Eagles coaching staff definitely did with Reddit. All right. That's pretty much all I got with the NFL. I gave you 18 minutes of good NFL-related conversation. Again, I like the Chiefs in the game. I'm playing the money line as far as the props go. Kansas City with the first timeout. Biggest lead under 14 and a half. Kelsey plus 700 for the first touchdown. Kelsey plus 25 yards for each half, along with a Pacheco um, over one and a half. Oh, and Pacheco over one and a half parlayed with Kelsey 40 plus yards for the game. And take a shot. Why not? Kansas City last. Kansas City defense last touchdown of the game. All right. We've got to do NBA talk. This is probably one of the craziest weeks in the history of the NBA. LeBron James passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. We'll start there, then we'll get into all the absolute madness with the trades. Him breaking this record does not change my opinion. You already knew that he's been successful. He's been able to score the ball for a long time. LeBron James can do something that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar just straight up cannot do, and that's shoot the three. Kareem made one three-pointer his entire career. LeBron James started off his career as not a great three-point shooter, but he was taking them and has worked his way into a guy who is pretty efficient. He had seasons in which he shot over 40% from three. So the ad, you know, improving that, adding that onto his game, it made it a lot easier to break the record in which Kareem only was able to do it with two pointers with the exception of one three-pointer. But LeBron's just been around for so long. And I think the crazier accomplishment of the, you know, besides breaking the scoring record is the fact that he's 38 years old in year 20 and he's averaging 30 points a game. He has had just the most consistent like plateau, but a plateau that starts higher up in the air than probably any guy in the history of basketball. You know, Kobe started out young, came into the league straight out of high school, just like LeBron. And he was averaging like seven or eight points a game. LeBron started off his first year with 20 points. He's now in his 20th year and he's averaging 30 points. That's only a difference of 10 points per game. 
And his average th this season at 30 points is higher than his career average. So him breaking the scoring tab, it doesn't really change my opinion about him. I, I even think him versus MJ, for a while I was on LeBron. I was saying he's better than MJ. I think MJ's legacy is better. But I think it's, it's also tricky because without saying six rings, what is Michael Jordan better at basketball than LeBron? Because it's not shooting. Is it just pure scoring? Yeah, I guess so. But LeBron could defend literally every position from point guards to centers. I don't think MJ could do that. He wasn't going to go body up against a power forward or a center. I think LeBron's a, a better and more willing passer than MJ. But if you want to go with, you know, the legacy and the rings, it's Jordan. But you can't just say rings because then you'd go Bill Russell. So my top five players in the NBA, because this LeBron breaking the record kind of led me to think about this. I got to go number one MJ. For a while, I thought it was LeBron, but I'm going to go number one MJ. Number two, I'm going LeBron. Number three, I'm going Kareem. Number four, I'm going Wilt. And number five, I'm going with Magic Johnson. Now, I could, I could change that eventually, but that's the five that I'm going. And I obviously never saw Wilt play. If I saw Magic play, it was absolutely, you know, towards the end, really when he came back. I don't really have much of a memory of that. MJ, I do remember him, and not just with the Wizards. I do remember him with the Bulls. LeBron, obviously, I've seen pretty much every big game he's he's ever played in. And, you know, plenty of games along the way. So I think that's my top five. I'm pretty confident about it. But I think it's important to talk about that because I think him break, I think LeBron breaking Kareem's record, it's not as big of a deal. Really is not. Because you knew he's been great for a long time. Now, let's get to the trades. Kyrie Irving going to the Mavs and Kevin Durant going to the Suns. Irving is just an absolute bozo. He's never happy. He says stupid things. He complains that people criticize him for covering what he says and does off the court. But he's done that to himself because he's never around when you need him. You never know if he wants to be the number one guy on the team like he was supposed to be in Boston sat or be satisfied with being a number two like he was with the Cavs and also with the Nets. It's just impossible with him. He's always going to complain about something. He's always going to be unreliable. And if you're the Nets, I feel like I wouldn't have traded either Irving or Durant, but at least you stuck it to Irving, sent him to Dallas when he wanted to go to L.A. You still got some useful picks back with – or useful picks and players with Dinwiddie. And then with Durant, this is a seismic shift. Again, I would not have traded Durant or Irving. I would have said, you know what, we're probably not going to get all that much back for Irving. And with Durant, you really were never going to get the proper value anyway. So I would have stuck it out and said, go win a title, and we'll figure this out at the end of the season. And it just goes to show you with these superstars, they're going to find some way. 
I, I didn't think Durant had a chance of getting traded just because he was still in the middle of a four-year deal. I think he still had three years left after this one, if I'm not mistaken. But these guys somehow always managed to find a way out of town. Now, for the Suns and Kevin Durant. Let's do Durant first. For Kevin Durant, if he wins a title on this Suns team with an ancient Chris Paul and Devin Booker, Devin Booker not ancient, right in the middle of his career, Durant will be the quote-unquote bus driver. And it will be as legit of a title as LeBron's title with the Lakers or even LeBron's title with the Cavs because I think that this, in the middle of the year, you get added to a new team and you have to work out all the kinks. If you can work it out, especially since Durant's injured right now, this title would be legit, and it would be the first legit legit title you've had. Let's face it. Those Golden State titles, I'm not impressed by that. You went and joined the you went and joined Curry and Draymond and Klay Thompson. No one's impressed by those titles. And people were, you know, were banging on LeBron back in the day about winning the titles with Miami and Bosch and Weed. But at least that's a team that they formed themselves. You didn't just sign with them like Durant did. And Durant kind of felt like he had to go to a team like Golden State then because he needed to win championships. This title will be much more legit if you're able to win it with the Suns. And I think that they've got as good a shot as any in the Western Conference that's wide open. I think, you know what, I'm going to go out and say this. I think they're going to win the title, and I think that they're going to beat the Milwaukee Bucks in the championship. I think that Milwaukee's going to get there. I think that the Suns are going to somehow play the Nuggets along the way. I think they're going to beat them. I don't love Memphis to win the title. I know John Morant's amazing, but I just don't think that that's the type of the guy type of guy who's going to be the lead guy in a championship team. We've seen these, you know, little ball-centric guys forever just not be good enough to win a title, whether it's Westbrook with the Thunder. I mean, Stefan Marbury was never good for really any much of anything. John Wall never made it past the second round. And I think Morant's better than all those guys, obviously, but I, I that's not the way you win a title. If you can find me the team where a, a diminutive point guard 100% relying on athleticism over shooting, won you a championship, I'd like to see it. I mean, even Iverson didn't win a championship. And pound for pound, he was the best basketball player I've ever seen. He was really not much bigger than me at about six foot-ish. So I think if Durant's able to win a title with this team, it will be the most legitimate championship that he's ever won far and away. And you have to kind of just make fun of the Nets a little bit here. If you're me, you're any other Nick fan, I think it was either July 1st or June 30th of 2019, you find out Irving and Durant are going to the Nets after you thought they'd be going to the Knicks and you you know, even had outside hope to get Zion Williamson if you won the lottery and you didn't win that. You know, you're all upset. You're angry. But the Nets didn't do a darn thing. Since they got those two, I mean, they won one playoff round. They barely even won any more playoff games than the Knicks. Knicks won one playoff game in 2021 against the Hawks and didn't make it last year. I mean, after that bubble year, so if you go 21 and 22, so yeah, the two seasons, they really only won six more playoff games than the Knicks and one more round because Durant wasn't playing in the, the bubble year in 20, the fall of 20. So 
and just kind of funny to think about. You thought the Nets were going to take over the tight, take over the NBA, take over New York. No one in New York cares about the Brooklyn Nets. Be honest, no one cares. Everyone's a Knicks fan, or you randomly root for the Lakers, or you know, you're not from New York. Whatever the case may be, but no one cares about the Brooklyn Nets. Only the national media was hyping them up when they had Durant, Harden, and Irving. Which I don't know how that group. I don't know how you break up that group to begin with. I would have just kept rolling out and tried to win a title. I mean, I guess Harden was a free agent, could have left anyway. But just, I mean, just an absolute joke. Probably the biggest letdown in the history of the NBA. And it's just kind of funny that these super teams you think are going to ruin the league. LeBron, D-Wade, and Bosh, they only won two, and they barely won two. The Rants, uh Warrior team, they won two. You know, of course, injuries that third year held them back from maybe winning a third. But you know, you think these super teams are going to dominate. And the Nets, they formed the super team, all right, but they only made it past the first round once. Forget about even the conference finals. All right, Schloss Rant, live, Philly Suburbs. A lot going on in sports. We will see you later.